It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. So what happens if you, uh, if you ask for something to be done for years and then it is offered to you and you vote it down? What are we to make of your initial request then? Right? This is really the question that's at the heart of the election integrity measures that passed the state Senate. Uh, this is the nature of the debate in North Carolina over election law. We'll get into that on this episode. And uh, thanks so much for listening and for subscribing. I appreciate that. If you haven't already subscribed, you can do so at thepetecalendarshow.com and at all major podcasting platforms. Also, big shout out and thank you to patrons of the program, such as KD, David, Mark, Lair, Krista, Sam and Dustin and Deborah, Josh, Joseph, Luella, Timbo. I appreciate all of the support. Literally could not do the program without you guys. So uh, thank you. They became patrons. They get exclusive content like tonight. We'll be doing our live stream. So uh, if you want to join in that merriment, become a patron. Uh, all righty. So Senate Republicans approved a bill uh, yesterday evening that shortens the deadline for mail in ballots to arrive at county election offices because, in part, they are mad at Democratic Attorney General Josh Stein and the State Board of Elections Executive Director. This is the way Lynn Bonner wrote the story. Lynn Bonner, longtime journalist in North Carolina for, you know, legacy media, corporate media outlets. I think she was News and Observer. If not News and Observer, then uh, uh, WRAL. I forget. But now she's over at NC Policy Watch. She uh, works for the left-wing think tank, and this is the Progressive Pulse is their publication. And so this is how she starts off this story. And by the way, I have no uh, no illusion, there's no illusion here that she used to be like an unbiased reporter when she worked at those other outlets, right? I mean, like this just allows her, which is kind of comical. There's another guy, Billy Ball. He works over for Cardinal and Pine. Um Joe Killian is another one. He's a policy watch. Clayton Hankel is with us. So there were a bunch of uh, journalists who were, you know, ostensibly, you know, fair and balanced and objective and all of that. And uh, they all just migrated over to the uh, to the left wing think tanks and such. Now, there are, there are examples of this on the right. They have one. They go to uh, the John Locke Foundation. And there, there are limited slots over there. <laughs> there but there's not a lot. Um, not, not a lot of uh, alternative uh, left-wing publications for uh, journalists to go to, or uh, right-wing uh, publications for journalists to go to like there are left-wing ones. Anyway, uh, she says, and by the way, this is accurate. Uh, there is, this is uh, part of the problem. Now, she frames it as a smarmy, snarky, sarcastic kind of attack on the GOP, but at least she mentions it. At least she mentions it as one of the reasons, because a lot of times in this coverage, you never hear... Uh, any of the explanations that the Republicans are actually offering for the measures that they uh, proposed. You will hear it here today, though. Um, She says it goes all the way back to a lawsuit settlement last September that included an agreement to count ballots that arrive up to nine days after Election Day 2020. Uh, There was worry back then about slow mail delivery. Why was there worry about that? The mail has been slow for a while. The the U.S. Postal Service has been slow for my entire life, right? I mean, the joke 
has been whether it's you know around the world or across the street you know it takes the same amount of time <laughs> to get there um it was because the postmaster general sent out a letter saying hey heads up elections people remember you're gonna have a lot of people you're promoting this mail-in balloting and stuff and uh you're going to you know overload a system that's not designed and barely is able to keep up with current demand you're now going to induce more demand and so uh you should really be telling people to beware of delays and to mail their ballots early. The blue and on folks, the Democrats and the and the media, but I repeat myself, they they ran with this this uh we call it blue and on. These are conspiracy theories that the postmaster general, who was a donor for Trump, that he was trying to uh slow it all down in order to um to hamstring Democrats and, and help Trump win. See, that's their conspiracy theory. That was what they were promoting at the time. See, right now they're all about the big lie. See, but they tell lies too. They actually tell them in their debate. Uh, in this very debate, they're they're telling lies. But they told lies about the Postal Service and the delivery system slowdown. Remember the stealing of mailboxes and, oh my gosh, they were putting locks on the, on the bins and stuff, right? And there were explanations for all of this stuff that predated the election, but they didn't care. They didn't care because it served a purpose, which is what? Drum up turnout. That's the purpose. That's the purpose in all of these arguments, by the way, that it is. It's to incite fear among their base. So their base turns out to vote by denying that there is any problem with election integrity or confidence in the system. They have to deny that in order to frame the Republicans as being uh, uh, promoting unfounded fears. Right. And so the the correction for or the solution for the left, for Democrats, is to tell people, oh, my gosh, look at the Republicans are trying to suppress your vote. And as a solution to that, you go out and vote. And they obviously can. They go out, they vote and they put Democrats in power, thereby proving the lie, right, that there is suppression of their votes in the first place. OK, they because they do turn out to vote. So that's their solution. What if you are on the right, though, and your voters believe that the system is riddled with loopholes that Democrats use in order to game the system and um, and to cheat, that people can take advantage of these loopholes. What do you do to assuage those fears? Because the answer can't be turnout, because those people believe the elections are, are uh, you know, shoddy and error prone. So what's the solution for them? The Republicans can't say, don't worry, everybody, just turn out and vote, just turn out and vote. That's not going to be a persuasive argument to somebody who doesn't have confidence in the system. So Republicans have to look to close loopholes. And when they do, Democrats use it as an excuse to drum up turnout for their team. So that's the trap we are in. That's the trap. So Democrats make several arguments and have over the years about voter ID, their anti-voter ID. They don't like it. Uh, in fact, the, the, the federal law would uh, ban states from uh, requiring voter ID, uh, voter ID. And so one of the arguments that Democrats have made all these years is that you got people who can't go and get a, a free ID. Well, first it was they can't get an ID because it costs money and that's a poll tax. So then uh, Republicans said, we'll make it free. And Democrats said it's never free because we still have to, you know, uh, drive there and that takes gas money or we still have to walk there or I got to take time off of work. Right. There were all of these other excuses that they said is a reason why 
you know, people cannot possibly uh, afford a free ID because it actually costs money and that's a poll tax. And they can't make it to the Board of Elections to get a free ID. They can't make it to the DMV to get a free ID. So Republicans said, okay, we hear this argument and tell you what, we will create a mobile unit. It will go to wherever you are and it will get you your free ID. We'll deliver it to you. We'll We'll have a little unit. It'll show up. It'll take your picture. It'll make the ID and it'll give it to you right then and there. So you don't even ever have to leave your house. And it doesn't even matter what your excuse is. If you're a shut in an invalid or you're just lazy, you don't want to go. You're like, ah, you know, what? I'm still playing my PS5. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to break my Grand Theft Auto streak here. I don't know why I always say Grand Theft Auto, like Halo, like, oh, you know, I'm I'm on a run with Halo. People still play Halo. I don't even know. Anyway, so if you're lazy, you don't want to go and you want to get your ID. Well, we'll come to you. Democrats voted against that yesterday. They voted against that. They made no arguments about it. There hasn't been an argument, by the way, against the mobile ID unit. There hasn't been a single argument articulated as to why Democrats should oppose this. They just do. It's almost as if their argument wasn't a good faith argument in the first place. Which, by the way, that then lends credibility to the belief on the right that you guys are not interested in election integrity measures because you're trying to cheat. That's what that does, right? So that, that of course, exacerbates the problem because the people on the right see what you do here. They're like, oh, you complained about not having IDs. People can't get them. So we made it free and we will come to you to make it and give it to you and you still oppose it. Why would you oppose the solution to the thing that you said was the major impediment? Why would you do that? Unless, of course, there's some other reason. There's an ulterior motive at play here. Now, I have no ulterior motive in telling you that Mattress Man is a great place to get a mattress. This is where I got mine. And I got my mattress there. Christy and I, we got our king-size memory foam mattress from Mattress Man years ago before they ever did any advertising with me. So uh, I tell you from experience, go to Mattress Man. Don't take my word for it also. You got Manuel, a listener to the program. He went and got his mattress there. He said, outstanding service, uh, great price, delivery and setup was done very professionally. Um, I've got another one here from Ken, uh, who was so happy at the price and the quality. He actually bought another bed for his daughter while he was there. Uh, And Paul. Uh, who had a custom design deal done with Mattress Man. I didn't even know they could accommodate that sort of thing. So uh, go to Mattress Man, locally owned and operated, and they got great deals on you know top-of-the-line mattresses, obviously, uh, and you can get them for like no, da- no money down, no interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants with Synchrony Finance. Go to mattressmanstores.com, click the financing link. You can get pre-approved right now. You got five-star local delivery service, nationwide shipping, and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Mattressmanstores.com, buy local and sleep better. This is one of the uh, the constant criticisms I have about media coverage for Democrats. I call it the big D shield, right? There is an assumption that Democrats are telling the truth. There's always an assumption that the Democrats' position is an honest one, uh, you know, arrived at in good faith. And this is a really clear example that a lot of times it's not. A lot of times their arguments are not made in good faith. They're simply, and they're obviously not in good faith to me. Like I can see the problem with their arguments, their assertions. This is a really clear example of it. Why would you oppose the creation of a mobile ID unit 
there's but there's never any skepticism of their arguments or their positions on this stuff, their assertions from media. There's no pushback. There's no questioning of this. Like, why on earth would you oppose this idea? It's because they oppose voter ID just writ large. And what does that mean? It means that the argument that they made about people not being able to get IDs, they didn't really care about the people not getting IDs. They cared about what they could offer the Democrats in the argument, right? They, they cared about the anecdote. They didn't care about the actual person, right? Because as soon as that person gets a fix for their problem, they are of no service any longer. They're of no help or assistance. So now it, it doesn't matter. So they're going to vote against that. They're going to think about that. They're going to vote against they, and they, This was um, highlighted in the lawsuit over voter ID where a mom came on and she has an adult son who's a um, uh, a Democrat. He's a, he watches CNN all the time and he is uh, confined to a wheelchair. And uh, But he watches CNN all the time and he votes all the time and he wants to go vote in person. He's, it's a very important thing to him. And this was one of their star witnesses was the mom. And... Uh, he did not, this kid did not have, or this man now, he did not have uh, an ID. And this was, she was cited as proof as to why you can't have a voter ID system for the, you know, 10 million people in the state because this one example. So now this bill that was passed by the Senate would create an, a, a unit, a mobile ID unit to go to his house and get him an ID so he can vote. And the Democrats opposed it. That Do you think that helps him? Does that help that plaintiff? No, it didn't. But they didn't care about helping the plaintiff. They cared about his argument. They cared about his anecdote. They cared about his story. He served a purpose. And again, all of this now helps to prove the priors on the right, that the reason you guys oppose this stuff is purely for political advantage. Because when you're not even willing to help the people you claim you're trying to help when presented with the opportunity to do so, it makes us not believe any of your arguments at all. So that was one of the measures. There were a couple measures. This one didn't get any kind of Democrat arguments. They didn't make any arguments because what could they say, right? They didn't make any arguments about this part. The big thing that they talked about uh, incessantly was the three-day deadline. This is... um, Three days after Election Day, ballots are allowed to be counted in North Carolina, and as long as they have the postmark of Election Day itself, okay? That's been the law for like 11 years. It got changed before that. I mean, they've had previous versions that lasted way longer than this current version, but this current law is three days, got to have a postmark by Election Day, no later than Election Day. Now, this raises problems, by the way. This causes problems because... Sometimes the postmark is not clearly legible. This has happened. It actually happened in the last election. You've got uh, ballots that arrived. The postmarks were wrong. The postmarks were smudged. Some cases, if they're missing, but they arrive anyway, should you assume that that there was a mistake and it just didn't get a postmark? Stuff like that does happen. And um, Andy Jackson at uh, the John Locke Foundation uh, went over some of these examples. So let's listen to some of the audio from the floor debate in the state Senate. There wasn't a lot of it because Democrats really didn't have a lot of arguments to make. So they focused on changing this three day window, this deadline to Election Day itself. That's what the Republican proposal does. It says instead of having the deadline three days after the election, 
with a postmark by Election Day. Let's just say that all the ballots have to arrive by the end of the uh, or close of business on Election Day, end of business, Election Day itself. That was the proposal. Here is Natasha Marcus, Democrat from Mecklenburg. Uh, she focused her remarks on this deadline change. I oppose this proposal to eliminate the three-day grace period for absentee ballots to arrive by mail because ballots that are completed by Election Day and put in the mail by Election Day simply should be counted. We know how many ballots would have been thrown out in 2020 if this bill had been law then. This is a lie, by the way. Just a heads up. This is this is an, uh, an unfalsifiable and unprovable assertion. About 15,000 ballots. We don't know how many will be thrown out in the future if this bill becomes law. But we do know that it would cause valid ballots to be thrown out because ballots will come in after Election Day. Okay, ballots came in after the third day after Election Day. Ballots come in after the ninth day after Election Day. Ballots come in after deadlines all the time. All the time. Every election that allows mail-in or absentee balloting by mail, like any election that has a deadline is going to have ballots arrive after the deadline. You know why? Because people send their ballots late. Yeah, for whatever reasons, they procrastinate, they forgot about it, they were convinced they got a newfound passion for politics, and oops, I mailed it too late, you know, uh, or fraud, right? That's another uh, another reason. But ballots arrive late all the time. Hers is a universal argument against mail-in voting, actually, or having any deadline whatsoever. Because honestly, why stop at three days, Right. Why not have it a month? Why not make it a full month of absentee by mail voting after Election Day is over? Why not a month? What's wrong with that? Right. There's no limiting principle to her argument. Her argument is, I like the three days. The three days is what it is now. So we should just keep it. Now, by the way, this argument was not acceptable in November. This was not an acceptable deadline in November to the Democrats. The very people who now say the three days should be maintained are the very people who said that it shouldn't have been maintained in November. They were the ones who said we should change it and give more time, extend it nine days, right? To have nine days after the election. Well, because of the pandemic, of course. So we had to extend it. So the very people who are now defending the three-day deadline as this is the norm, this is the status quo, you're going to disenfranchise people, you're going to throw out ballots, right? They also changed that deadline. They pushed it out. Well, And they want to leave it, by the way, at nine days. Like this has been one of the uh, reasons why uh, legislatures, Republican-led legislatures around the country are now going in and putting into place laws. They're running bills on this stuff is because all of the lawsuits that Democrats filed in order to loosen the election integrity uh, measures in order to make it so easy to vote because of the pandemic, of course. Thank you, Dr. Fauci, um, that that it blew open a lot of these rules, these laws. They changed law through these lawsuits and Republicans are now trying to shore it back up. Now, Democrats frame it all as suppression efforts. And uh, Jim Crow 2.0, right? They call everything Jim Crow 2.0. Changing a deadline by three days is the new Jim Crow. That's what we are supposed to believe. It's ridiculous. Um, now, if your roof is ridiculous, then give my friends at Balkan Roofing a call. They will come on out. They'll take a look at the roof, give you a free estimate. 
And uh, they have seen, and I have seen, they've shown me some of the pictures that they take. Uh, and you can see some also at their website, BalkanRoofing.com. You know, some of the mistakes that these other, you know, we call them Tommy tank tops or uh, chucking a truck. These guys come around and they're like, oh, I'll put a new roof on you on your place. Yeah, you know, pennies on the dollar, whatever. And they do a really terrible job. You get a really cheap roof. True. Um, it's cheap. And then you're going to need Balkan to come on out and fix it. And, that, and, and they, they have a great repair team. So they'll fix it for you. But why would you even go through all of the hassle? Because the roof protects the biggest investment you're probably ever going to make, and that's your house. So why would you go with some guy in a pickup truck whose only credential is the ladder that he's toting with him, right? Uh, Don't do that. Call Balkan. And by the way, if there's nothing wrong with the roof, it may just need a a patch or two or something. Uh, Or maybe they say you're fine, you know, you're fine for, you know, probably five, ten years, whatever. No problem. They'll tell you that. They'll tell you that. Balkanroofing.com. Uh, call them up for a free estimate, 628-0390. That's 628-0390, or again, BalkanRoofing.com. All right, back to Senator uh, Natasha Marcus from uh, Mecklenburg. They'll, from voters of all those parties, because people will procrastinate, perhaps, and not get it in the mail till Election Day. They mm-hmm. may not know that the new rule requires them to put it in the mail way ahead of Election Day. The mail might be slow. <laughs> or because voters may want to wait until Election Day to decide who to vote for. When all the evidence is in, all the campaigns are done speaking, any late-breaking news is known. And I think they should have a right to wait until Election Day to vote if they need to vote by absentee ballot. So there's the standard she's now espousing, that if I want to vote absentee, I should be able to wait until the last day until election day and i should be able to cast my ballot absentee on election day and then everybody should have to wait for my ballot to arrive days later however many that might be depending on the whims of the democrats whatever election cycle we're in that we should all have to wait for days while my ballot makes its way through the uh the u.s postal service it's kind of a uh it's kind of a selfish argument, don't you think? Because everybody else, we're, like, we're all having to go and vote, you know, early or uh, absentee early, vote mail it in earlier, or we got to go actually to the polling station on election day. But no, no, we, we should all accommodate, like, the, the people who want to vote on election day itself, but don't want to be bothered to actually go and vote in person. And they don't want to actually be bothered to vote earlier so their ballot arrives on time. They don't want to do any of that, right? They, we, we need to make this as easy as possible for people who have so very little interest in the process. See, again, like, this is not a believable argument. Throwing away those valid ballots, I submit to you, is the opposite of election integrity. It is bipartisan disenfranchisement. And it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, This lie that all of these ballots are going to be thrown away, valid ballots are going to be thrown away. This is the talking point that they are using. And it requires you to be an idiot to to believe it. Okay, they're they're counting on you being an idiot. And um, apparently it's working with a lot of people in the media. I'm not sure if that's coincidental or not, but it apparently works among a lot of them. But uh, here's why. Here's why. There were 11,000, 12,000, whatever it is, ballots that arrived after Election Day and within that three-day window in the last election cycle. There were like 11,000. Now, first of all, remember, there was a pandemic going on, right? So there were way more ballots that went in 
after election day than normally, right? Because you had way more people voting absentee. That's the first uh, point here. Secondly, um, people were voting under the rules at the time. So therefore, they knew they could cast their ballots by election day and have them arrive nine days later because those were the rules. It's sort of like the Electoral College and the popular vote, right? If you're trying to get elected president of the United States, you try to win the Electoral College votes because that's how you determine the winner. Those are the rules. You don't try to run up the popular vote and point to that if it means you sacrifice the Electoral College votes because that's the vote tally that actually matters in winning, right? Somebody should tell that, by the way, to Hillary Clinton. I, sorry. Too soon? Maybe too soon. Okay, anyway, point is, those were the rules that everybody was operating under at that time. And now you're trying to apply this rule to the way people behaved under the old rules. And it's not a legitimate argument. It's a lie. You're just making up stuff. You're saying that there's going to be all these ballots that are thrown out that are valid without recognizing that that occurs every time there's a deadline, unless you're just going to say there's no deadline, right? This is what I mean. It's a fundamentally dishonest position. Marcus said that Republicans used to agree with Democrats about this three-day window. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, First, everybody can agree that old Grouch's military surplus is the place to go if you're looking for real U.S. military surplus. Um, And he has got right now these really cool uh, home and workplace first responder kits. They're bright orange. They got reflector tape, but they've got more than 350 components packed inside of each kit. So you're going to be able to handle any kind of a medical emergency from major cuts to broken bones. The kits are made in North Carolina and uh, they've got room for more stuff to be put into it. So you can expand your kit depending on what your needs might be. So uh, go check it out at oldgrouch.com. He's also obviously in downtown Clyde on Main Street, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So Marcus says that Republicans uh, previously supported this three-day window, and that is true, by the way. It is true. When this three-day window was first adopted, it was bipartisan. I think it was unanimous. It was like 2009. Uh, And so, yes, this is true. This is a change in position that some Republicans, I think Phil Berger is maybe the only one that's still there. There are a couple probably that are still around. But yes, the Republican position on this has changed from over a decade ago. In 2009, before I was even here, before my time, Senators worked together to expand and improve absentee voting. And and we established the three-day grace period here in North Carolina. And Mm -hmm. since then, 10 other states have followed our lead and enacted that same grace period. Mm -hmm. Seemed like good policy. Last session, I was here when we worked together to add security to the absentee ballot process. We had Senate Bill 683. Mm -hmm. Remember, it was called Combat Absentee Ballot Fraud. It Mm -hmm. was a bipartisan bill with Republicans and Democrats on as sponsors. Mm -hmm. It was a reaction to the absentee ballot tricks that happened Mm -hmm. uh, in Bladen County that resulted in an election that had to be redone all over again because of absentee ballot insecurities. Okay, so I I thought this was interesting, too. She cites this change in law on the absentee ballot front, which was also undone, by the way, in the last election by the lawsuits and the attorney general and the Board of Elections. The witness signature component. That's what they did. That law that she's talking about 
the absentee ballot fraud, uh, anti-fraud law, it, it increased the number of uh, witness signatures for the absentee balloting, which, remember, they tried to get rid of under the lawsuits. So Democrats changed their position on this. Also on the ballot harvesting, too. Ballot harvesting illegal, but now Democrats are running the bill at the national level to allow ballot harvesting across America. See, so they've changed their positions on these things as recently as now, like right now, not from 2009. They changed it from now, from last year. That's how they flipped. She doesn't mention this, though. And we spent weeks talking about mail-in ballots, Mm -hmm. making sure they'd be secure. And no one ever sought to change that three-day grace period. Right, until they got sued by the Democrat lawyer, Mark Elias, representing the Democrat uh, organization that had as its conference keynote speaker, Attorney General Josh Stein, who was also then, you know, his office was party to this lawsuit that he then settled with Mark Elias uh, to the benefit of that group in front of which he spoke. I'm sure that's all coincidental, but either way, like she ignores all of that backstory, right? As as cause for suspicion among the people on the right. Like this is not about like, oh, we think there was widespread voter fraud. Nobody's making that argument. People are saying, the Republicans are saying, we need to restore confidence here among voters, particularly among Republican voters, because we saw what you guys did in suing and getting laws changed outside of the lawmaking process. And we need to do some stuff now to make sure you guys don't do this garbage again. And Democrats are like, oh, what? Us? What are you talking about? We're all about, you know, getting people to vote. It's a, it's a sacred privilege, which is why we want everybody to be able to do it however they want. No one thought that was the problem then. So what's changed now? Why the sudden need for all mail-in ballots to be there by 5 p.m. on Election Day? Why do supporters of this bill think that it's okay that so many ballots will be thrown away? See, again, false framing, that's a lie. And, uh, I mean, she knows what she's doing. Again, for this argument to be persuasive, you have to be an idiot. You have to be an idiot. And they obviously think that enough people in the state are. There's no evidence of fraud to justify this change. Ballots are only counted during that grace period if they are postmarked by Election Day. So there's no issue of fraud there. The bill sponsors have said they want to know the outcome of elections on Election Day. People might feel better about that. They want to know that night who won. Mm -hmm. But we never know the outcome of close elections. You see what she did there? She, She slipped in the word close elections. Close elections. No, we want to know what the results are that night. And the longer you wait, because if, if, if there's no if there's no undermining of confidence, the longer you wait, then again, why not have a 30 day window after the election? Why not have 30 days after Election Day for all the ballots to come in? Because you just don't ever know, really. I mean, the Postal Service could be running that far behind. So why not just leave it up and open for a month? What's wrong with that? Do you think that would undermine confidence? Democrats are never asked this question, by the way. They're never asked, does it undermine confidence to not have results in virtually all contests, right? Because as more people vote absentee and you have longer periods of time after Election Day, more people are going to take advantage of that. And people will find ways around the system. By the way, this idea that the U.S. Postal Service postmark is like the gold standard, it's not. 
It's not. There are problems with it. I mentioned it earlier. We'll get to that. First, uh, if you are trying to get your house sold, call Rowena Patton. Her number is 333-4483. MountainHomeHunt.com is the website. And she's the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. This is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, uh, educators, members of the military, so veterans, active duty, and retirees. Uh, Give her a call. Again, the number is 333-4483, and she'll get your house sold quickly and for more money. The website, again, mountainhomehunt.com. Tell her you heard it here, and uh, then start packing. So I will answer Senator Marcus's question here. Why the sudden change off of this three-day grace period is because of you guys, your lawsuits. Y'all are the reason why. You guys now. Now the Democrats will say it's because Donald Trump is promoting the big lie, and you know that the election was rigged and stolen from him, and all of this. Um, so that's their argument, and they 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 try to get the Republicans to admit that. But that's not what it's about. It's about you guys changing election law. And so here's what happened, right? The law allowed a three day grace period. You guys came in and argued in court and won. Right? You guys won this argument. Your lawyer won this argument that. Three days versus nine days, what's the big deal? That was essentially what happened. And so what the um, Republicans are doing by moving it to Election Day is to lock down the date. And so, no, now this is the date. you got to have it in by 5 o'clock on Election Day, close of business. Which, by the way, this was amended. This was amended. So now it actually is 7.30 on Election Day. So the polls close at 7.30 in the state and your absentee ballot has to be delivered by 7.30 on election day. So you could actually do your absentee ballot and then hand deliver it ostensibly by 7.30, right? That's the idea. Uh, and that was a Democrat proposal. That was, and Republicans voted for that. Republicans voted for the Democrat amendment to make it not 5 o'clock, but 7.30 p.m. on election day. That was bipartisan. The only bipartisan vote that occurred on all of these election integrity measures was Republicans agreeing with the Democrats on something that they asked for. So that's the answer to your question, Senator Marcus. We won't even if this bill passes. They say about half the states have an election day cutoff, but that means about half don't. And the trend is toward the grace period, not away from it. So what's really going on? I think the difference just might be that in 2020, for the first time ever, Democrats submitted more absentee ballots than Republicans by a two-to-one margin. Why? It's historically been Republicans that outnumber Democrats in the absentee ballots, usually by a lot. Mm -hmm. So now that lots of Democrats use mail-in ballots, suddenly they're a problem? That is not a good reason or a fair reason to change the law and start throwing out ballots. Right, I agree, and that's uh, that's not why they're doing it. They've told you why they're doing it. They actually have I, have explicitly said it's because of what your attorney general did, your lawsuits, your party, you guys that pushed out these deadlines. You changed law. You rewrote law. And so by making this election day, no grace period, there isn't any room for a judge to now say, well, you know, three days nine days. What's the big deal? You've already agreed in principle to the grace period. That's why Republicans are like, okay, well, you know what? No more grace period because you guys keep going around the lawmaking process. So we're going to prevent you from doing that. 
because who knows what next year, like you guys could file some sort of an emergency. Oh my gosh, it's raining. It's snowing. We're going to need another two weeks, right? What's the limiting principle here? I always ask this question with, uh, of Democrats and it's rare you ever get answers. All right. Senator Toby Fitch then attempted an interrogation of one of the bill co-sponsors, Senator Warren Daniel. Senator Daniels, I ask Senator Daniels some I questions, please. Uh, Senator Daniel, Daniel, do you yield? I yield. He yields. Senator Daniels, I'm glad to see you presenting this bill. Uh, I was ready for my good friend, Senator Newton. <clears throat> he and I have talked about this a number of times, and uh, I see his expression on Twitter. I usually don't read Twitter, but he, he, he had me reading Twitter yesterday. So I, I tweet, tweet today. <laughs> I'd like to ask you the first question. Do you believe that there was widespread voter fraud in 2020 election? So, Senator Fitch, this bill is really not aimed at voter fraud. It's aimed right. at what should be the best practice for Election Day deadlines. Um, frankly, I'm not sure if it would have been necessary if we hadn't seen our attorney general um, subvert the law with the Board of Elections by changing law and avoiding the legislative process and making it nine days instead of three. Mm -hmm. um, this is to make it crystal clear to our Attorney General and to our Board of Elections that the Election Day deadline is Election Day and it's not to play around with and change it at will um, outside of the legislative process. Fire up. Senator Daniel, you yield. All right, so that's the answer to the question. Now, just because Democrats don't like the answer to this question or don't agree with the answer to this question doesn't mean that Republicans are not providing the answer. They're giving you this answer. Senator Marcus, if you're listening, that's the answer to your question. Uh, you'll yield. If you think this is to correct a situation by the attorney general, then why wouldn't you remove that power from the attorney general rather than punishing the public who is accustomed to a practice that we have used for years, even following the federal rules that a envelope deposited has three days. Now the postmark says when you sent it. And so if you are within that three day period of the postmark, even if it's not delivered until 10 years later, it is still presumed to be delivered three days after it is dropped in the deposit. Why wouldn't you go after the attorney general rather than going after the citizens? So I think to answer that question, you know, this General Assembly has, we passed the Collusive Settlement Prevention Act. Exactly. Um, which I think most of the Democrats voted against. Now, frankly, True. that surprised me because I think we, as a member of this body, should protect the power of the Senate and the power of the Gen General Assembly when it is usurped by a member of the executive branch. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question. It did. Oh, it absolutely answered his question. Um, he's because the, the the reason for this measure is to prevent the kind of chicanery we saw the attorney general and the board of elections engage in last year. It's to prevent that from happening. And then Fitch says, well, then why don't you just do something about that? Why don't you just, you know, try to address that issue? Like, yeah, we did. We passed a bill. You guys voted against that, too. Right. So uh, it, it, it's all of this bait and switch argument here because there isn't a legitimate argument for changing uh, the date from three days to nine days that can't be made to change the date from three days to a, a month. 
which is what they want to do. What this also comes down to, by the way, and I suspect this might be a very large part of it that nobody ever wants to talk about. It's about preserving the ability to file lawsuits. The challenges that come after Election Day, as they're doing the canvas, the audit and all that stuff, uh, when they do this, right, you have all these legal challenges that can be filed. And uh, the postmark date is a pretty big area to exploit as far as strategies go. And we actually saw this in 2020. You know who did it? Sherry Beasley, the chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court who lost her race to Paul Newby. Very, very close race. Andy Jackson talks about this at the John Locke Foundation's website. Um, Newby's razor-thin victory over Beasley in the race. Uh, Both campaigns lodged uh, complaints with county boards of elections about ballots that they believed were inappropriately counted or not counted. Some of those complaints concerned the postmarking of ballots that came in after Election Day. He then cites uh, uh, one of the challenges in Cleveland County. There was an uncounted ballot that was received, um, and they said, well, look, we got it on November 5th, um, but we didn't count it. Uh, And Beasley was arguing that the fact that uh, the ballot was received by November 5th, that it must have been placed in the mail by November 3rd, because apparently it did not have a postmark or it was... uh, illegible. And so they said, well, if you got it on November 5th, then it had to have been mailed by election day. So they were essentially making an argument that the postmark didn't even matter or the lack of a postmark didn't matter. Right. So the very people who are arguing that the postmark should control here also argued that the postmark is irrelevant. They will adopt whatever argument they need for whatever the circumstance requires. That's what is obvious in this debate. What happened yesterday with these uh, bills, the fact that Democrats could not bring themselves to vote for a bill that creates a free mobile ID unit to solve the problem that they said existed, right? And then with this, that we have to abide by the postmark, it's the controlling uh, piece of information. This should control whether a ballot is counted or not. Oh, and by the way, if a ballot arrives without a postmark and it comes in on the day after the election, um, we're still going to argue that you should count that ballot, too, even though there's no postmark on it. So, like, they want to have it both ways. There's also the plain silliness of the postmark exception that is created uh, when a small batch of ballots had to be reviewed by the Wake County Board of Elections because this is the last election as well. A postal worker had stamped the wrong postmark date on them. What do you do in that circumstance? Oh, well, then that doesn't control. See, they want to have it both ways. They want the postmark to be sacred, but then they also want to ignore it if they need the votes afterwards. And they're counting votes and trying to find votes. They want to be able to use ballots that don't even have a postmark on them. (laughs) It's pretty obvious. Just it's almost as obvious as renting a piece of equipment uh, to get a job done rather than buying it. it. That is an obvious solution. And if you have a big project and it requires a big piece of equipment and you don't want to get stuck with a big price tag, then you just head on over to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville and you rent one of their big pieces of equipment. They'll show you how to use it. You get the job done. You get it done right quickly. And then you bring it back. It's so much easier. Having the right tool, it really does make the job easier. Trust me. I renovated a house years ago and I did not have all the correct tools, the appropriate tools for all the jobs. And it made... 
It made the work go slower. I made more mistakes. It was more expensive because I'd have to go back out and buy more materials and such. Uh, and eventually I learned, let you know, have the right tool. But if you can't afford to buy all these tools for one project, rent them at General Equipment Rental. Now, if you are interested in buying some like yard equipment, they have got all of the Husqvarna and Honda stuff. They're the official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider, which means they know these pieces of equipment. They know the models, the series, changes year to year, and they can help you uh, pick the right tool for your yard and the kind of work that you're looking to do. Chainsaws, trimmers, hedge clippers, mowers, blowers, commercial, residential, gas and battery, all of it. General Equipment Rental. Go to their website, generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox. Now, Andy Jackson at uh, uh, John Locke Foundation, he also points out that setting Election Day as the deadline to receive absentee ballots by mail, uh, that is the norm. That is way more states to 32 states, including states that have all mail uh, balloting, not just for absentee, but you just total mail balloting. Uh, Oregon, Colorado, uh, they require election officials to get absentee ballots on or before Election Day. The change also removes the problem of how to handle mail in ballots when there's no legible postmark on them. To make sure that voters do not inadvertently submit their ballots too late to make the election day deadline, officials must do two things. First, they got to inform absentee by mail voters of the deadline, right? Got to have it by election day. So plan accordingly. You do that through public information campaigns and you put it all over the ballot itself, right? So you can't miss it. Second, the General Assembly should move up the deadline for requesting an absentee ballot so that all ballots reach voters sooner. That was Andy Jackson at the John Locke Foundation. And again, all of this stuff is posted, all the materials that I uh, referenced, they're all posted at the Patreon page under the prep sheet. Uh, All right, back to, uh, this is again, Toby Fitch, uh, the Democrat from Wilson County, uh, interrogating Senator uh, Warren Daniel, um, who is one of the uh, sponsors of the bill. Exactly, but we feel like this is the best practice. Almost two-thirds of the states um, have the practice of Election Day receipts, including many Democrat-controlled states. Um, I think you know. I think another thing that, that is overlooked is 2020 was an outlier. Yep. In, in the last two gen, uh, presidential elections prior to 2020, about 96% of people voted in person. So you're talking about in a, in a presidential normal year, 4% of people use the absentee ballot process. In a non-presidential year, it's about two and a half. So 97.5% of people in a non-presidential year utilize the absentee mail-in process. So the vast majority of people in a normal election year you know, don't use this process. So it, this bill is affecting a very small uh, amount of voters. I think we'll see the trends return to normal absentee ballot request numbers as we go forward and we're beyond the, the, the pandemic issue. Senator Fitch, number three. Up. <laughs> Senator Daniel, do you yield? I yield. Do you yield. believe that then-President Donald Trump, do you believe that then-President Donald Trump should have been sworn in as president? Oh, my goodness. So, uh, Senator Fitch, I'm not really sure that that question is germane to this discussion it's not it's and he's reading these questions somebody wrote these questions down he, it could have been him but he's obviously reading these questions um, i believe yep. he was sworn in in january of 2017 appropriately 
Um, this bill is, is not really about any national narrative. It's about what we feel like should be the best practice for the state of North Carolina based on what happened in the 2020 election here in North Carolina. And we agree with the practice of 32 other states that, that election day should be the deadline. Frankly, I think it, you know, it, it discriminates against the voters who decide to vote in person. You know, if, if they show up at 731, Sorry, you're turned away. You can vote in the next election. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be the same practice for those folks that decide to, to um, undertake the privilege of voting through the mail. Now, if, you know, we do have a, val a ballot tracks program that can track your ballot in real time. And if a person has mailed their ballot and they're concerned about is, if it's going to get there, they still have 13 days on election, uh, 13 hours on election day to go to the, the polls and vote. Mm -hmm. Senator Fitch, one more. <clears throat> one at a time, yes, sir. Uh, Daniel, do you yield? I yield. He yields. My colleague said that if you had not turned your ballot in at 5 o'clock, if it has not been received by 5 o'clock, is it 5 o'clock or at the time that the polls have closed? This bill says 5 o'clock. Then why if would it be at 5 o'clock if, in fact, the polls don't close to 7 o'clock? Because now you're taking away from that absentee voter what the regular voter has, and you still don't have parity. I think it, it was just... Uh, well, wait a minute. What about the people who get to vote by absentee before? I can ask for a ballot, like, weeks ahead of the election. I can send it in even before early voting starts. I get to vote before everybody. What about that? Maybe we should have, you know... How about this? Let's just have elections open all the time. Just a constant election from the beginning of the year all the way to the end of the year, and uh, you can vote anytime you want, however you want, as many times as you want. I mean, really, why, <laughs> why have any controls at all? Because somebody is not going to be able to take advantage of the, the system, the mechanism that's in place. Somebody is not going to be able to, I mean, unless I like come to your house, pick you up, drag you to the car, literally put you in my car, drive you to a polling station, drag you out of the car, and then like pick up your hand and have you push the buttons uh, or put the pen in your hand to, to mark the ballot. Like, unless I'm doing that, I'm disenfranchising you, right? Isn't that how this works? Like, you take no responsibility for doing anything necessary to go vote. It's my job to make sure you vote. Come on, people. Are you serious right now? So he's like, well, what about 730? That's sort of a close of business type time frame. The states are all over the map in terms of what times of, of election day that they utilize. In fact, one state even requires uh, absentee ballots to be in the day before election day. Some are noon, some are 6, some are 8 p.m. So I think personally, if, if you were to offer an amendment that changed it to 730, then um, I don't have a problem with that. And in fact, they did amend the bill on a 47 to 2 vote to make it 730. So they adopted the Democrats idea on that. And then the Democrats all still voted against it. Later on, Democratic Senator Jay Chaudhary attempted to resume his cross-examination. My, my, my first question, I guess I didn't hear the response to Senator Fitch's question to you as to whether you believe that um, there was widespread voter fraud here in North Carolina or not. It was a, a pretty simple yes or no question. Stop trying to make you, Fitch Do you happen. believe that, do you agree with Hillary Clinton that the 2016 presidential election was um, stolen by President Trump? 
Well, if you answer my question first. <laughs> so I'll perfect. Your the, question, Senator Daniel. Ch- perfect. What a perfect example, right? Perfect example. Good job, Senator Daniel. Because Democrats have refused to accept the results of uh, four elections, I think, three or three elections. So 2000. With Bush v. Gore, refused to accept that. They were constantly on about, uh, you know, the Diebold machines and George W. Bush, illegitimate president. Um, What was the next one then? 2016 with Donald Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton. That was referenced there. There was also 2018, right? 2018, where uh, Stacey Abrams lost in Georgia. They still think she won that race. They, They constantly undermine confidence in those results. So Democrats want to pretend that like now all of a sudden that the Republicans don't accept that this was a legitimate race uh, and the count that now somehow the Republicans are the icky, crazy people here. And we haven't been doing that at all for the last 20 years, 20 years. And again, every time I talk about election integrity issues, I always have to ask this question. When did we as a society or as a nation, when did we declare that we will no longer engage in any kind of election day chicanery? When did this happen? When did all of a sudden all the political leaders and the parties and the, uh, the, you know, the masters of the dark arts, as they're referred to, like these campaign people, like when did they all come together and issue some sort of a promise ironclad that we will no longer engage in any kind of nefarious or uh, underhanded activities. When did that happen? Because election fraud has occurred in America from the beginning. Election fraud has occurred in all elections. I have no doubt. So uh, when did we as a society say this doesn't happen anymore? The idea that it doesn't exist is ridiculous. It does exist. It absolutely exists. Now, how widespread is up for debate. Um, I don't think it is, quote, widespread, as I understand that term to be, but that's just me. What do I know? Right? I'm just a podcaster. Uh, which, by the way, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. That is a wrap for the episode. And remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com. <laughs>